Calling all astral projectors. Calling all astral projectors. Now it's time for Tales from Beyond the Veil. Here's the rant of the day. I gotta, I gotta use my platform here to, uh, you know, talk about certain things happening in my vicinity. I recently had this uh, weirdo guy on Instagram, um, big fan of The Walking Dead. I put up, a <laughs> he accused me of meme theft. That was the first time I ever even heard of that. So I was like, wait a minute, is that a thing? <laughs> and of course it's not. It's like, what? who is this person? He comes on and like for the uh, the Samantha Morton uh, episode, I, I put up, I, I always do this. I go to the inter internet, the huge interwebs. I grab some picture I like that's, you know, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> and so much everyone else. Uh, and first of all, someone, okay. Someone told me that memes are supposed to be shared and, and so I, I don't I don't understand. So what I found was a blank picture, no text on it. It was a beautiful picture of Sam, um, where she looks gorgeous in a uh, you know on like a red carpet somewhere. Next to her is Alpha, and it's just like this amazing, striking image. And it's just like just I was like, this is this is a perfect image to show like what a chameleon you know she is. And so grab the picture. I put my text on it. You know, new 40X podcast, having her, you know, I, I like doing like dialogue bubbles. So I have younger saying new and then uh, 40X saying, I mean, I'm sorry. And then Alpha saying 40X. It was, it was really kind of, I thought it was cool. Um, so all these wonderful uh, comments saying, oh, we love the interview. And oh, you know, my God, exactly what I wanted the image to do. Look at her. Wow. Look, look at that transformation. So I get this one negative comment from this this dude claiming that uh i'm a i'm a thief that i stole his meme concept and obviously <laughs> i mean i didn't know if the guy I, I don't know obviously i don't know if the guy was a troll or what or just you know but i was like wait a minute did i really do something here so i i reached out to the the people and i was like is this a thing is this like um and they commented back they were like of course not you know it's like block this guy <laughs> You know, uh, and block him and report him, whatever. And, well, report him because I, I basically told him, you know, first, like, you know, are, are you are you kidding me? Like, I commented back. I can't help myself. I said, are you kidding me? Like, I, I, I didn't even know your, your account existed. You know, I didn't even know that you existed until this moment. You think that I, I went to your site i saw this particular thing that you created the same exact way that i created <laughs> by going to the internet finding a picture that you liked and then putting your own text on it you think that i took your your <laughs> concept and your meme took all the text off and, and then we're just like yeah i went and his and his thing was really kind of fucked up it was just like it was funny you know his thing said um uh before marriage and then after marriage, you know, I was just like, oh, man, that's how you're going to at least my thing was like a celebration of Sam, you know. Anyway, so he he 
I basically put him in his place and I, and I told him to fuck off. He comes back at me. How dare you? I'm going to send you uh, this and you can it's out there. You know, I'm going to send your fucking, you know, screenshot. And I was pretty proud. <laughs> a screenshot of, of your comment to me, Mr. Fogler, you know, and I didn't curse or anything. Oh, maybe I did a little bit. But I, I basically said, like, you know, come on, man. Like, like you're kidding. Like. I had no idea who you were until you fucking, you know, showed up on my welcome mat and slapped your balls down <laughs> and said meme theft. Like, like, you know, I'm going to, then I was like, I'm going to block you in five, four, three, two. And then I blocked the guy. Um, and he, he made another account, came back at me and he, he threatens me. He said, oh, you're, oh, you're in trouble now, man. I'm going to send these comments that you made to fucking AMC. You know, I'm going to send it to The Walking Dead. You're going you're gonna to be fired by the end of the day for talking to me like this. And I was like, yep, good luck with that. <laughs> and block. And then he came back again, you know, as another account saying, oh, man, you're fucked now, you know. And, I, and so I was just like, I was like, oh, okay, so this this person obviously is has some issues. They keep on creating accounts to come after me. They obviously want some attention. So I just kept reporting them and blocking them and reporting them and blocking them. And then I see um, he sends this thing out on Twitter that says, with, with my screenshot of what I sent to him, and he says... Um, Dear, you know, he, he tagged all these people, dear AMC, you know, all the, you know, and he's got a lot of followers, I guess, 13K or something. And he sends it out and he says, even though if, if a fan is 100% wrong, even if a fan is 100% wrong, this is no way to talk to, and, uh, and his grasp on English was a little tricky. I, I'm not, I, this is the, I'm not, you know, whatever, but he basically sounds like a raving lunatic. And um, he says, uh, you know, this is no way to talk to a fan and the fans should know. So, I, I you know, I, sometimes I go on Twitter and I hashtag my name to see, you know, what's going on. And I see he hasn't tagged my thing, but he's hashtag my name and he puts this up. And I was like, so then I DM'd him like an idiot. And I said, hey, you know, I'm going to report you. I'm going to block you. I've already reported you and blocked you on Instagram. You know, now you owe me an apology. I, I was, I was just like, "How dare you drag my name for this?" You know, and um, and then I blocked him again. I blocked him, reported him, and I'm just like, "Okay, that's it." And then yesterday, I get this another account made on Twitter with the, a very similar. I mean, it could have been totally somebody else, but it was. Just an account made uh, with like a, you know, it was like a, The Walking Dead 2020, you know, something. And very similar to this guy's account, the, all the other accounts, that, the dummy accounts that he made before to come at me. And this one was kind of shocking. It was just like, you know, fuck Dan Fogler account. Um, and... It's like I fucking hate him. Tell everyone should should go fuck himself. And and by the way, he puts these things up, and no one comments on them. No one does anything. They just sit there because people are like, "Whoa, like, what the fuck is going on?" 
Dan is actually totally in the right here and is in a very uh, streetwise poetic way telling you to, and putting you in your place and trying to teach you something here. And so he has this account with one picture on it made obviously recently. And it's just a picture of me. Um, and it's from the, the walking dead, a picture of Luke and it's just X'd off. And, um, and it has a Jewish star on my head. And, um, it says something, it says something like, uh, Dan Fogler is a Zionist. He should go fuck himself. Okay. So I don't know if it was him, but it's a strong coincidence. Um, if it wasn't, I never had that kind of hate before until this prick. So I just assume it's them. So I, I reported it and I sent, I, you know, I blocked them, uh, whoever they are. Now, whoever put this thing up, Dan Fogler is a Zionist, he should go fuck himself, doesn't know me very well. <laughs> I don't, they obviously don't listen to my podcast. Now, I'm an evolver. I'm, an, I'm evolving. I'm an, I'm, I am uh, an advocate of the evolution revolution. I think that people should change and are changing and, sh and should continue their education consistently. And I feel for this person. So I want to I wanna help them understand, and anyone out there, understand where I'm coming from in this moment, at this juncture in our lives, 2020. What is Dan's uh, philosophy, my religious philosophy, you know, my, you know, who, who am I as a global citizen here? Um, global citizen. Fuck. That sounds like New World Order speak, doesn't it? Now, here's the thing. All of that shit scares the shit out of me. If you know, if you know me, I'm a goddamn conspiracy theorist. All of my work, <laughs> my moon, anything I've created myself—Don Peyote, um, you know, Moon Lake, which is like all about—is like all about conspiracies. Uh, Brooklyn Gladiator, which is the the cautionary um, tale about the coming technocracy. Fish Kill, which is about what's happening right now and our uh, struggle with um, our system and the corruption. And if you know that I go down these rabbit holes, and a lot of these rabbit holes are uh, terrifying because they turn you upside down. You understand? Your views... Um, you have to go into these rabbit holes with the ability to uh, compartmentalize your emotions and to transcend the information that you're given so you can look at it without ego and just as an observer. And what I have observed is that all of the religions... Judaism, um, you know, Christianity, um, uh, if you're a Muslim, um, they've all been commandeered. It's, it, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a control system in place, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, they're putting the clamps down now on us all, you know? Um, and... This control system has 
uh, has infested all of the religions. Um, am I a Zionist? Hell no. Okay. Am I am I a Brooklyn Jew because I was born a Brooklyn Jew? Was my mother's father a rabbi? You know, when I was growing, yes. Was I bar mitzvahed? Yes, that was my upbringing, man. Um, this that's what I was born into, and I would be what you would call, um, in those days, a high holiday Jew. You know, looked down upon by real Jews, <laughs> but we would celebrate Hanukkah. You know, we would celebrate um, Passover um, and uh, Yom Kippur. Now, yeah, and Rosh Hashanah. Okay, those are the big f four. Did we keep the Sabbath holy? No. <laughs> I mean, no. I was, we, we were watching Saturday morning cartoons and, you know, running around like lunatics. Like we were flipping lights on and off and we were fucking eating, you know, ham sandwiches and shit. Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, like we were loose. My mother, whose father was a rabbi, they were like, I don't know if you would call them self-loathing Jews, but my grandma Fern wasn't, you know, they, she she grew up in uh, uh, Connecticut uh, during a very anti-Semitic time. She saw this man, um, Joe, who she fell in love with, and was always just like dressing him to hide his... He was like the youngest rabbinical scholar uh, in New York or America. Something like that. He was, he was a he was, uh, massive IQ... And um, he was a rabbinical leader uh, at like the age of 20 or you know, something like that, something crazy like that. But my grandma, um, you know, dressed him up as waspily as she possibly could because, you know, she grew up in uh, fear and anti-Semitism. And, you know, as I grow up and learn and, and you know, what is anti-Semitism, this word that we use as a shield, you know, Oh, you're an anti-Semite. Well, you know, I've learned that Semite is someone who is swarthy and dark and and um, looks more like, uh, you know, um, someone like George Floyd, Floyd than I do. You know what I'm saying? And um, so we use this anti-Semitic shield. But if you if I were really to look up my roots, I'm Ashkenazi, okay? And if you get deep into that word, Ashkenazi, there's a very scary word inside that word, Ashkenazi, okay? And then you start to look, okay, where are the Ashkenazis from? They're from, um, I guess they are supposedly descendants of Noah who landed on Mount Ararat and we went into the Caucasus mountains, uh, the Caucasians. Um, and, uh, we came down from there. Now, where did they, where, where did Noah come from? There's a whole thing where Noah was, um, if you go down the bloodlines, he was albino, but he was a, he was a black guy. 
he's a black guy. Um, if they came from that area, if they came from, um, you know, Egypt, if they came from that, uh, if they, uh, you know, my, my history, my geology is not obviously not correct, but if they came from that desert region where supposedly it says they came, they went, they, they started from in the Bible and then everything was flooded and they ended up in fucking above Europe in Mount Ararat. Um, and this bloodline, the albino bloodline, is uh, certainly not Semitic. Um, you wouldn't describe them as that, I guess, from appearance. But I, you know, I don't know. What is the science? Maybe we are all connected. Maybe we are part of that rainbow spectrum of the original African gene. But that African gene put out many different flavors. Um, if we are all connected, indeed, if we if Eden goes back to that first female hominid or whatever the fuck in the middle of uh, Africa, um, and then we all spread out from there, if that is indeed the case, what the fuck are we? So we're, I'm not, I'm not, so if I, I'm supposed to say you're anti-Ashkenazi. You're anti-Ashkenazi. Okay, so what is that? What is that, man? Who are these people that came down after the flood to claim the earth again? If you believe in all that stuff. Um, it gets fucking deep, man. I mean, listen, I, I just went off the fucking rails here. Am I a Zionist? No, I am not. I have never, like, as I understand it, the first time I heard about Zion was in the fucking Matrix. Yeah, okay? Um, now, if, <laughs> if I hear about, I mean, and the Lion of Zion. The Lion of Zion. Okay? Um, that's Rastafari, uh, philosophy. Now, which I probably lean more toward. <laughs> Israel, um, is tricky. Israel, I, I, I appreciate the concept. I've never been there. The, the whole thing with the birthright. Scared shitlets of Israel. What do I want to go there when the, I feel like they're just surrounded by war? They're just like. You know, just constantly lobbing, you know. It's like the, uh, what is it? The the Clampets and the, the Clampets and the McClancy's or whatever the fuck. They're just, there's like just a fucking, everyone looks the same, but there's a fucking line in the sand and they're just shooting at each other. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, And pff, Israel has become the bully in a lot of sense. America has become the bully. Um, is that that alliance is very tricky, man. It's become very tricky. Um, the Holocaust happened. You got to go into, you have to learn about, you know, who funded the fucking World War II. You have to go back and figure out, you know, all the fucking philosophies behind that. That's a scary fucking rabbit hole that'll twist your head upside down. Um, and 
what comes out of that yes you know the jews should have a place where they're where they're protected and they have a piece of land and it's fucking theirs and after all that yeah you know and by the way i think every single oppressed race um an oppressed people okay let's say i think every single oppressed people should get some kind of reparations like that, man. If you can look at your history, your if you look at your your um your people's history and you go back and you can say, man, <laughs> this is how much we had to fucking endure. You should be given an equivalent piece of land where you can go and heal, man. Where you can go, it's yours. Um, and there's enough space. We can do that for people. Let them fucking heal. Let them know that we love them and we fucking, uh, and that we appreciate them and that we're sorry. Okay? But what happened is, is that now Israel has gotten a get out of jail free card, man. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. They have the shield of anti Semitism. Now, Let's say it's the shield of ant. Now, now, if if the de- definition of of uh, being a pro-Zionist, um, I I am not, I am not, I am I am not, I'm not a good Jew, in any uh, sense of the word. Um, maybe I'm a better, maybe I'm at at the core. You know, when you go back to, I'm closer to the first, like, shamanistic Jews, you know, that roamed the desert, that didn't have a fucking penny in their fucking pocket, um, and just was just trying to live, you know? I'm closer to that Jew than the ones that call themselves Jews. Because as I said, every single religion has been commandeered uh, by, um, I, I want to say, a, a totally connected, nefarious um, force that has pitted all religions against each other in the effort to divide and conquer. I'll let you go down that rabbit hole. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm fucking, there's certain things that, like I'm already saying things that... Uh, could get me in a lot of trouble here. I don't give a fuck. I feel like now is the time. Now is the time um, to lay it on the line and tell people where you stand. Because these are volatile times. People are going to come at me. People, uh, this bastard has already, this person, this confused person has already, you know, put that information out there um put that afloat on the uh the racist um you know river rapids and that little bubble um has has obviously sparked me to make sure that people know exactly where i'm coming from because <clears throat> History is repeating itself. 
there's a rise in anti-Semitism, where whether people know it or not, or realize what the definition of that is. Um, like I said, like I, I'm open to all teachings. I'm, I really am. Everything <clears throat> that I heard from, uh, I take a little bit from everybody. You know, Buddhism, uh, teachings of Jesus are. Um, pretty uh you know i find myself not that i'm like a you know a bible person um but uh if you you know you know treat uh treat others as you would treat yourself like there's just a lot of basic teachings that came from that person um and and who knows if they even exist or not, or if they're even a concept, or if Jesus is just a metaphor for, you know, all of us and the journey that we have to take, which is like the sun in the sky. You know, it's like um, where, you know, there's, if you, fuck, this is all over the place, but I, I, I think you got to go there. Like, I have to go there. Um, you know, Jesus was a Jew. You know, that's what they say. And that if you do the research, Jesus was also a metaphor for the the um, the travels of the sun in the sky, um, you know, during uh, certain equinoxes and where he where the sun uh, descends, you know, for three days and then rises again. And then, you know, and marks the. Um, you know, you know, uh, spring and, and Christmas and and uh, I mean I'm not saying it right, but look it up. <laughs> it's all connected, and then all of these religions are connected to paganism, and they're all been like I'm saying, like all of them are connected. We're all so that's what I'm trying to glean from this. Zionism is its own freaking thing. I'm talking about the fact that every single religion is Zionism is not Judaism. Zionism is um, a shield for Israel, you know, a weapon of Israel. Uh, watch Munich, you know. I think I don't know. It's there's Spielberg, a very controversial Jew, um, who is uh i think warning us you know of that relationship in that movie this is a movie podcast matrix and munich matrix and munich if i can go back to when i was a, a, a kid for a second hanukkah i appreciate that now you know hanukkah was great i would tell people in my school though that i was yeah my my dad's Italian and my mother's Jewish and we celebrate both because I was so jealous of, of kids that got Christmas, you know? Um, and even then I was malleable. Like, uh, even then I kind of believed in, in reincarnation and, you know, that there was, that there was more, that there was more to this, you know, video game. I would, uh, when I was getting bar mitzvahed, I would wrap tefillin 
<laughs> which is basically, you know, you put these leather straps up your left arm, you a certain amount of times you wrap it a certain you turn it around your arm a certain amount of times you spell a word i think on your arm and you, it goes all the way up to your head um and the wrapping and then you put the you put the um the cube you know this uh, <laughs> black freaking cube on your right on your third eye man and um that cube you know, the wrapping, the turning around of the cube. What does that sound like? It sounds like Mecca. Go down that rabbit hole. Um, when I got that, when I wrapped the Tzvelin and got that cube on my head. Now, I didn't know if it was the air conditioning or whatever the fuck it was in the place. It, it released my sinuses. It was just like, I was. it was like I was allergic to it. Okay. It was like I was, I don't know if I was rejecting it. It was like clockwork. They'd put this on me and I would just feel weird. And my nose would start running. And the, it was hysterical. And and I'd be schnutzing and, and wiping my hand on the other, my, wiping my nose on the other arm. But I didn't have the, the spilling. And then... The, the and then the wraps would come down on the other one and I have to rewrap them. It was like a Jerry Lewis routine. I'm not even kidding. And my dad would turn to me and just be like, Would you get a hold of yourself? <laughs> and he <laughs> And I'd be sneezing. And I would go out in the hall and I would take all that's filling off and I would feel better. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Okay? That cube is a uh, is a control system i'm not I'm, and and the um the very sensitive empathic weirdo in me was like rejecting that okay <laughs> yeah um I, I yeah there's a funny story where i was walking down the street recently in uh, wow, wow this is really sad back in manhattan when i was back there uh, and it was a Friday, and it was sundown, and I was in Lower Manhattan. I was walking with my with Nikki, and uh, if you guys don't know Nikki, he's I've told this story before. He's gigantic. Nikki is gigantic. He's like almost like eight feet tall. And if you see the two of us together, it's like mice. It's like of mice and men. And he he's gigantic, and he um, is this like lumbering. He looks like a mafia hitman, and he wears uh, this. You know, this black hat, like a black fedora or a black cat. He, this time day, he had a black fedora on <laughs> and all black, you know, suit. And he's walking next to me. He's got his briefcase. And and um, and I'm walking down the street. And suddenly, I'm, I'm, um, these two Hasidic guys are following me. They're, they're following me. Jewish, Jewish, Jewish. And if you, if <laughs> and, uh, you know, they spot me from a mile away, you know, especially if I got the my beard shaggy. So they fucking, they want to do the, what's it called? The schma, where they wrap the tzvillin and they, they and, and they get a minion. They get 10 guys together and they, it's a blessing for them. It's like, a, it's a mitzvah. Now, now they have like a mitzvah mobile, you know, it's like a, like a RV that they drive around. That I, I it's like, 
okay, okay, it's a mitzvah, fine, but don't, like, don't force it on people. It's not a, then it's not a mitzvah anymore. Now you're making people uncomfortable, you know what I'm saying? So, like, so suddenly I'm surrounded by, they keep multiplying. It's another Hasidic guy, another Hasidic guy. They're all surrounded. So they don't want anything to do with me in any other situation. They think, they think I'm not even Jewish in any other situation. But in this situation, I'm Jewish, 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 Jewish. So now they're surrounding me, and they're they're re- now they're reaching to put the tefillin on my head. They're like, "Oh, this is a, this is a big catch now. We're gonna get a oh, we're all gonna get okay." So <laughs> Nikki, who looks like a massive Hasidic guy with the black hat and the black suit and the swarthiness. <laughs> oh my god. It's like a Seinfeld sketch. He literally picks me up, okay, by the back of my by by the scruff of my my back, picks me up, holds back the 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 nine or ten uh, Hasidic minion guys who were reaching for me with tefillin. All of them with like lassos of tefillin, trying to lasso me with the cubes. <laughs> he throws me into a taxi. <laughs> And he kicks the taxi off. Okay? And now the taxi is like shoved off. And I look in the back with the turbo boost of his kick. And I look through the back window and I see him, Nikki, holding back all of the Hasidic guys. Now there's 20 of them. I'm not kidding. And and he's holding them all back with one hand. And he's waving, go, go, Dan, go. He doesn't want, he can't you hear him. He doesn't want to wrap the tefillin. Okay. Now, I'm looking down at my recording, and it's at 33, 33, 33, 33. That's my science, man. I look, and I see signs. I see numbers. That's my religion. You understand? I see signs in the environment. I read The Alchemist, and that really... The alchemist really spoke to me. I feel like that's a kind of a guide to listen to your gut, to listen to your intuition, to follow your true path, to get on the right path. It's like a, it's like a guidebook for that. We're so lost now. Everything's been commandeered. We don't even know it. Our, whole, our own souls have been commandeered long ago, and we have to get our souls back, you know? We have to relearn. We have to. It's like Neo coming out of the Matrix. It really is. We're all we're all little Neos, and we gotta fucking wake up and reprogram ourselves, rewire ourselves. Because you'll find that your you know your so called religion that you've been a part of for years, um, you know you learned all the traditions and the languages. They're all soaked in fucking blood, man. All of them. At one point, they were the slave at the at the in the next generation, they were the bully, and then it, it just everybody has blood on their hands. Okay, um, and you want to know what I am? I'm a fucking mutt. I'm a mutt. I'm a mutt. I have um, collected all sorts of uh, teachings and made my own philosophy, my own religion that I that I go by that works for me. Kind of like how I do my acting. 
you know, sometimes I do a little bit of method. Sometimes I just, it's just a mustache. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's an exterior thing, like a hat. Oh, that's the character. I, I do a little mix and match. Um, because I feel like there's something, there's truth to all religions because all religions are all connected. They all come from the same religion. And it's just been divided and divided and divided. I believe in a fractal universe, you know. I believe in like a Russian doll universe where, yeah, we're just inside another universe and another universe and another universe and another universe inside, inside. Um, and it just expands out for eons. And we, some of us uh, are aware of the other uh, Russian dolls that were inside. Um, and some of us are totally oblivious and, but it's, a, it's, a, it, it's an organism. It's a living organism, this universe, this multiverse, and we are the cells, you know, the brain cells, the sparks, um, every single living thing on this planet is, has a spark of is connected um good and evil to this source now now the source of all things god the god head what you want to call it that's what it sounds so weird the god head um i feel like it's it's an energy and it could be whatever it wants and it wants to connect and it wants to learn and it wants to sounds like an artificial intelligence doesn't it it wants to get information and it wants to bring it back um who am i to say artificial intelligence it's an energy and it, it doesn't want to be alone you know all of the primal instincts that we have of connecting one to you know um, and it also wants to know what it's like to have the opposite of that. It wants information. It wants knowledge. And we're here to take that knowledge and bring it back. Um, and then I'm pretty sure that if you don't figure out how to control your creation abilities on this planet and your energy manipulation abilities of your, you know, chi, kundalini, whatever you want to call it. If you can't figure out how that works and how you plug into the system and, and can manipulate the system that way, then you're screwed in the afterlife. You just keep on, well, I mean, you're not screwed. You just keep on getting, you don't have uh, navigational skills. You know, when you die and you just get sent right back, which is fine. You know, this is a fun three-dimensional video game. But there's a lot more levels. Um, this, If you want to be a caterpillar, you just want to keep on going back and living life as a caterpillar. Can you imagine being a caterpillar not knowing that the next stage is butterfly? You think you'd die in that chrysalis and have no idea of the, <laughs> the next level. And you're just like, fuck, I just want to go back. I just want to be a caterpillar again. 
just eating grass and <laughs> farting along, spinning. Did they spin silk? I don't know. I once touched a caterpillar and got a terrible rash when I was a kid. I was like, oh, it's so cute. Next thing I know, I was itching my balls off. But butterflies. Ooh. Gorgeous. The fucking butterflies have been commandeered by all that MK Ultra shit. God damn it. There's not one symbol. You can't even say okay. You can't even put your fucking thumb up. You can't even fucking... You like frogs? Go fuck yourself. Like I can't... Like my family had a whole thing with Frogler. You know? Fogler, Frogler. We used to get them frogs all the time. <laughs> Not under this administration. <laughs> I don't fucking know who's right or who's wrong. Like I said, there's a little bit of truth on on both sides. A little bit of truth on both sides. Who knows who's right? Scary. Cult a cack. Cult a cack. There, see, brought it right around to meme magic. You see, it's all about the fucking meme wars. Meme theft, my ass. I love everybody, even this schmeckle that was accusing me of being a Zionist. Jesus Christ, what is this world coming to? Out of all the high holidays, I mean, I used to love Passover. That was like the holiday for the children where we learned about the slaves being freed and the Red Sea parting and why do we recline? Because life sucked before and, you know, and hide the matzah, get a dollar. <laughs> I can sing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know about that one anymore. I don't know about that one. You guys got to do the research, figure out who rewrote the Bible. Ah, oh, man, it's just a big fucking mess. So right now, we do Hanukkah, which, well, I mean, I just, the Maccabees, Jesus, that's blood-soaked as well. Fuck. Can't even enjoy the festival of lights with my children. So nowadays, I'm just sticking to constant Yum Kipper. That's it. Constant state of Yum Kipper. Fasting all day, maybe eating something at night. Hey, it's 11 11. Uh, yep, I just made a wish. Peace and love and happiness for all. All right? Just everybody chillax. Just, just chillax and have a bug out plan. That's all I'm saying. Just, you know, it's better to have a bug out plan. Not we need one than to, to need a bug out plan and not have one. That's all I'm saying. We got a crazy election coming up. And uh and uh and and shit might start getting biblical. That's all I'm saying. See what I did there? These are some volatile times, man. Ah shit. My wife looks at me askance when I walk out of the house um, and I keep a knife in my pocket. I do. And she wonders why. And I, uh, because these are volatile fucking times, people. Because of how I look, 
um, because of my accent, because I'm an American, and because I look like a little fluffy Jew, um, that uh, I fear that we are going to be uh, targeted um, out here in, uh, you know, London, uh, the UK. Um, I used to joke and just be like, uh, you know, I'm Canadian. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's like, can't really, can't really hide behind it anymore. And, um, so I go to get a sandwich today or I go into a sandwich store and I want to make some, um, chicken cutlets, chicken, they call it chicken escarole here or whatever. So I asked the guy, I'm having us a language barrier. Cause, hey, you know, um, I see you make a chicken cutlet sandwich. Can you just sell me a bunch of chicken cutlets? You know, and he's like having a hard time. He's a nice guy. Um, and then we figure it out. And he's like, oh, no, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. I just sell it with the sandwiches. Just you have to buy the whole sandwich. And I go, oh, OK. Um, all right. I'll keep looking. You know, you should really, I don't know, you should be able to do that. You know, and he was very nice. And as I walk out, another guy walks in, big guy. And both of these guys, they look uh, Middle Eastern, um, but with, you know, thick British accents. And he says, what, what, what do you mean? This is my store. This is my store. What, what, what are you telling him that he should be able to, he, she should, he should sell a, a chicken in the way that you want to. I sell it the way I want to. We sell it in, in sandwiches here. And I was like, whoa, 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 what happened? I, I was so confused that he was coming at me like this. I was like, and then I turned to the guy behind the counter. I was like, did I, was I, you know, being negative to you? I was just saying, oh, wow, you really, that really should be able to do that. And he kind of agreed. And then I turned to, <laughs> then you come at me. And I was like, look, it's your store. And, you know, I'm a customer and you would have made a big sale here if you were able to do that. I would have bought 10, 15 chicken cutlets off of you right now. So, well, we don't, you don't tell me how I do my store. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I was, and, and I was really trying to figure out, and this is my problem because I don't like bad karma. And I'm trying to figure out, and I'm trying to make things good with this guy. And then he has got a buddy who's sitting next to him at the table next day and goes, why don't you be the big man? And, and he's just a kid. And I was like, this guy is a big fucking guy. He's probably my own age. So why don't you be the big man and just leave? He's just a kid. And I was like, what are you talking about? This guy is, this guy is like, I, I, I didn't, it was such a crazy language barrier. So I was like, you know what? I, I, this is obviously, you know, there's something else going on here. And I walked away. And I got, I went to the very next store and I got my fucking, I went to a sandwich store and they had sold me chicken cutlets. And they, and they were so happy. They were just like, oh yes, of course, darling. Yes, please take our, ch our chicken escarole off our hands. And I, so and then I walk right out of the store. I have my bag full and I have a big smile on my face. And they walk past these guys with my chicken. I was like, ah, I got my chicken. I didn't, even, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I just kept on walking. And these assholes looking at me with the stink eye and I have to walk past them in order to get back home. So I start walking past and I feel something behind me and I turn around and this big fucking guy is now walking behind me. And I just, um, I instinctively, I, I look back at him and then I just keep on walking forward and I pull out the knife in my hand and I just dangle it right by my side as I'm 
as I keep walking, just to just as a little warning. Don't fuck with this one, you understand? And I turn back and the guy stopped and now he's he's just kind of like looking at me. And he says, and we're we're about you know half a block of distance away, and he goes, Oh, you, you pulled a weapon out of your your pocket, did you? You got a little you got a knife in your pocket. And I'm smiling at him like Nicholson, just going, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm about to go and turn the corner just to make sure this guy doesn't fucking follow me. And he doesn't. And this prick, you know, there's no guns in this country. I don't, you know, not that I see. You're not allowed to carry. I didn't I never carried in America. But these are volatile times, which is why I have that knife in my pocket. If I didn't have that knife in my pocket, that guy would have followed me fucking home. I'm pretty sure of it. Um I'm five seven. This guy was fucking close to six feet and probably pushing, you know, two fifty, two sixty. And uh, at my weight now, I'm under 200. So, yeah, I'm going to fucking carry weapons <laughs> as I leave my house because this is the situation I'm in. I tell my wife, why do we have a bug out plan? Because we're Americans, we're expats in a fucking, you know, we're, we're fucking Americans in a, in a, a foreign place. Um, and we're Jewish and I got to worry about that. I got to worry about some asshole sizing me up by the way I look and the way I sound. Um, and this, uh, I've had to deal with this my whole life. It comes in, it has come in waves, come in waves, but it's never, it's never gone away. And just like a lot of Muslims, just like a lot of Christians, because of how I look and how I sound, I'm being lumped into um, a bad crowd without the benefit of the doubt. And um, everybody's guilty. Everybody's guilty of something bad. Um, but if you're out to pick a fight, just know that uh, I'm, I'm prepared to defend myself. Um, all right, wow. <laughs> Full 50-minute rant. Let's get to the interviews. Wow, I am in a mood. Man, getting Daniel Pinchback on this program is like boating a marlin. This is three times and a half a charm. Three times a half a time. Hey. All right, hopefully you'll be here soon. In the meantime, yep, the world is slipping away. Time is unraveling. Oh, Christ. <sighs> Riders on a storm. Ding, 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 riders on storm. And to this house we're born. Into this world we're thrown like a dog without a bone. Actor out on loan. 
Dan Fogler, 4D Experience Podcast. Hey, Dan Fogler, 4D Experience Podcast. Oh, I think he's bugging me. That wily philosophical maniac. He just calls in every once in a while and is just like, yeah, yeah, man, I just got to get better reception. This is a test. He's testing me. This is some kind of like Zen Buddhist test to see how many millions of times he can postpone this interview until I go mad. Well, it's not going to work, Mr. Pinchback. Danny. Hey, man. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, kinda. You are you are on the uh, you are on the other in another dimension. Well, I'm in I'm in the dimension of, of Mexico. I'm in Tulum. Uh, but I'm outside right now, and, and there's definitely some ocean noise. So if that's a problem, I can try to move inside. Oh, uh, it may be a little tricky, you know. Or the best audio, the better the audio, the the better the. Yeah, I'm gonna try to I'm try to move inside. Um, I it. it's like, the problem is, yeah, it's not like the best, but the user can Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, it's okay. Um, how you been, man? So what are you doing in Mexico? Hello? Oh, man. Hello, and he's out. Well, that was fun. Daniel Pitchbeck, man of many words, many stories, and many, many postponed conversations. Hola, Compadre. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey. Nipu to pinto de blue. Osmangle the schmangle is smooth. Osmangle the schmangle That was Dan Fogler with his a cappella version of a Dean Martin song that he doesn't know the words to. Hopefully he'll call back from a better line. Right now it's just you and me, listeners. You and me. Dan Fogler and the world. A raindrop in the midst of an ocean. Hey, I'm gonna fucking well, sad to say, Daniel Pinchbeck was eaten by a land shark. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. He was talking to me not five minutes ago when he was trying to get a better signal on his phone, and a land shark ate him. Oh, Daniel. Daniel, please. Please reach out to us. 
please reach out to us if you can hear us. If you are in the belly of the beast, let us know. Send it loud and SOS. It's 7.33 exactly. Where the fuck did it go? Oh, my God. This is, this is, uh, uh, hello. There he is. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How you doing? I'm good. Good. Uh, I'm in a beautiful place with a beautiful woman. Oh, that's nice. Where is that? Yeah. Tulum, Mexico. Yeah, what are you doing there? Um, I mean, you know, surviving the apocalypse. <laughs> ah, why, so hold on. So wait, why did why did you decide Mexico? You thought that that would be a nice. Place my my to, my, uh, my my fia- my fiance my fiance is Austrian, and we were in Vienna for four months. But I don't I don't have a I don't have my visa had run out, and so I couldn't stay in Europe, and she can't come to the U.S. So we had to go somewhere, and we chose uh, Mexico. Gotcha. And you feel like you're you're safe there? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, where we are now is is wonderful. Uh, we're staying in a, um, a lot of friends are involved with this resort. A friend uh, friends own it, uh, so we're right on the beach, and um, the area is still relatively closed down. So there's not like still like packs of people, but um, yeah. So so I think we're good for now. What's your, uh, you got a bug out plan? Like if like start, if shit starts getting uh, crazy, you, you like, you have like a, what? Or is this your bug out plan? I'm actually trying to develop a bug out plan. I think we have a little bit of time, like a couple of years. Um, um, you know, I mean, things are going to keep getting more and more bizarre, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, um, and actually one thing I'm doing right now is I'm hosting a webinar uh, called Building Our Regenerative Future, uh, which is at uh, regenerativefuture.net, and we're kind of looking at the whole spectrum of what's happening and looking at solutions, you know, that include things like people becoming more self-sufficient in terms of their food, uh, more resilient in terms of how they live, uh, less dependent on you know, long supply chains and corporations and governments. Um, and then also people building uh, communities uh, so they have support. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so I, guess, I guess I'm engaged in trying to figure that out myself, uh, how, how to do that and where, where to do that. Why do, you, why do you think that we have a few years? Uh, well, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've, I've studied the ecological crisis, you know, for a long time. I, I wrote a book called How Soon Is Now uh, that came out in 2017 that had uh, introductions from Sting and Russell Brand and so on, where I looked at um, how severe the ecological crisis is and how, how worse, much worse it's going to get if we don't do enough. And then I looked at uh, the cha- kind of changes we would have to make globally as a civilization to deal with it. And we basically haven't been making those changes and uh, we've kind of run out of time. I mean, now a lot of scientists are saying that if we don't 
you know, make a massive change in how we use energy and resources within the next six months. We'll have uh, basically baked in, you know, two degrees Celsius warmer than pre-industrial levels. We're past 1.5 degrees warmer now. And that could happen even by 2030. And that'll lead to big changes in agriculture, like there won't be as much food available. Uh, water is going to be a big issue. Um, you know, the, uh, the snowpacks in the Himalayas that, that support like millions of people for, you know, for their, their water will, will stop running. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it turns out that, you know, we're seeing, you know, in the Siberia, they just had 100 degrees, south, uh, 100 degrees Fahrenheit weather, which has never happened before. Um, you know, with the ice thinning faster and faster, which is going to lead to sea level rise. So it's like, you know, eventually we're going to see a cascade of, of, of crises and catastrophes. Um, that'll include, um, you know, kind of uh, droughts, uh, famines, um, you know, cities flooded. And, and, and actually it could happen a lot faster, you know, than, than, than we thought, you know, before. So your your um, your bug out plan is triggered by uh, environmental changes. My, mine is uh, triggered by um, like martial law, mandatory vaccine, you know that kind of stuff. That's my bug out plan. If I start hearing those yeah, words, yeah, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think it's all related. I mean, we're definitely moving more towards. Um, you know, really nasty kind of repressive authoritarian kind of tendencies. Um, but I think it's also connected. I mean, like, why did fascism start in the 30s? It's because, uh, you know, everybody felt like there weren't enough resources to go around. And, you know, the, the Germans wanted more Lebensraum, living rooms. They felt they didn't have enough space to survive. So I think, you know, for the common people, kind of, you know, for most people intuitively, there's a sense that, like the resources are threatened and um, the way of life that they've, you know, become accultured to or accustomed to or doctrinated into is not going to be holding for much longer. So then, then the first thing people want to do in that type of circumstance is look for like a strong leader, you know, who you know, promises to like hold, hold it all together, you know. And unfortunately, that's usually these um, strong men, repressive type leaders. And the problem is that they're just exacerbating the, 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 the negatives, you know, in most cases. Like in Brazil, where they're you know, burning down a lot of the Amazon, which supports us, um, you know, uh, it's basically the, the Amazon is the hydrological system that, that supports the whole planet and all the rainfall and everything. So now people are saying that we're, like, you know, somewhere between three and 15 years away from the Amazon collapsing as a functional system, you know, which would also accelerate uh, all the other problems I've been talking about. So I, I see the environmental problems and, 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 the, and the systemic uh, political problems as deeply connected, to be honest. So um, you and I are in like this like cycle where I reach out to you every time I think the world is ending for advice. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so the last time I reached out, <laughs> was around 2012, and that was during Don P. No, no, it, it, was, it, was, yeah, it was before 2012, wasn't it? But yeah, I guess somewhere around there, yeah. Around there. It was leading up to 2012, yeah. and I was like, what, what's coming? And you wrote uh, 2012, The Return of Quetzalcoatl, and the, the fact 
let's just talk about this for a second. I've talked about this on my show. Um, our meeting was, I don't know, synchronicity. Uh, basically, I had an idea in my mind that I wanted to write this, not or to um, have Nick this movie, which was uh, like a hybrid documentary that um, documented my spiritual awakening that was happening to me before 2012 when I was in my early 30s. I literally, the day that I said, I turned to Mike Canzanero, I said, you know, I want to make this movie. Um, here's the first scene. It's this big party scene at this place that's like this melting pot of all these different, you know, you know, spiritual and artistic uh, endeavors. And, and uh, he said, I know the place. It's called Collective Hardware. And it was literally the next that next few days I was at Collective Hardware and met everybody that I needed to literally meet to start the foundation for this documentary and you had a fucking office there. Like the guy that wrote the book on 2012, the guy that I need to speak to. So you you were basically my first real pro- professional interview, okay? And And your interview validated all of the other interviews after it. So I basically was like, yeah, I got Daniel Pitchback. And everyone's like, oh, okay, well, if you talk to the morning talk guy, I'll talk to him. So be, because I got you, I got all of the, every other fucking interview that I needed for the movie. I mean, like, like within, like, what, what are the odds of that? I have the idea, and then I meet you literally the next week? Yeah. Hey, man, are you, in a, are you in a parade right now? Where are you right now? Me, I'm I'm, on, I'm in a uh, I'm, I'm at a hotel resort on the beach in Mexico, and I'm yeah. in a room uh, like sort of the, the dining area. I just turned on some music. Gotcha. And unfortunately, I can't I go can... outside because it's uh, too bad. now they're making now they're making uh, shakes or something. But it, it'll it'll go in and out. I can also mute while you're talking if that's easier. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're just getting a lot of background noise. Um, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, usually yeah. for these yeah. for these things, you gotta in a quiet place um so uh anyway man it was crazy that um that i met you like that um and then our interview was basically me as as warren allman um who was like this alter ego of myself looking for answers going to wise men looking for answers here i am again man and 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 what's crazy is that you're you know you're saying similar things that yeah you think that we got a couple of years before things get really crazy and but we're heading we're obviously heading into this time of great distress. Well, and Daniel, look, wanted... me, it's very it's very it's very sad for me because I never although my book was called 2012, I mean, I, I never was ever saying that that was going to be like the end of time or doomsday or this cataclysm, you know, no, I, you I was never pointing said that. out that. No, you never, you never said that. You said it was a, it was a time of, of change and you were absolutely right. And the whole um, time between 2012 and now has been a huge, you know, everything is, is, it's changed. I mean, obviously, in the, in the last year, things have obviously there's been a major upheaval, but it's it, you know, it's uh, the return of Quetzalcoatl, the return of. Let's talk about Quetzalcoatl for a second. Um, what is Quetzalcoatl? 
Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess, you know, Quetzalcoatl is a, a Mesoamerican deity, um, you know, and, you know, or, or a, Mex- you know, a god from Mexico, from the Aztecs, the Toltecs, and the Mayans, uh, that represents the feathered serpent. So it's an archetype. Um, you know, I, I look at it very much for like an archetypal, like Jungian kind of idea. There are these kind of archetypes in the collective unconscious that, um, you know, manifest in the world in different ways. And, um, yeah, we are now in um, this time of uh, Quetzalcoatl's kind of prophecy, the kind of cyclical return, you know, according to certain civilizations, like the Aztec and the Maya. Um, but the, the image actually also means the meeting of the bird and the serpent. So it's the meeting of the, uh, the, the, the snake from above, sorry, the bird from above and the snake from below, uh, which come together like the, um, you know, like heaven and earth, like... Uh, the kundalini rising from the base of the spine to the top of the head and so on. So, yeah, it's that kind of symbol. Gotcha. Okay, so, ah, I see. It's the, um, it's the caduceus. Is that what you're saying? It's the, it's, the wing, it's, the, it's the medical symbol. It's the winged um, spine with the serpent yeah. crawling up it. That's, yeah, it's, yeah like, wow. it's, like a, it's a feathered serpent. It represents kind of like the kundalini energy rising up to the top of the spine, from the base of the head, and so on. So there's like so it's massive the re- dancing happening. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's the return of that knowledge. It, that's what they're saying, the return of that ancient wisdom. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I was more optimistic. Um, you know, when I wrote 2012, The Return of Hesel uh, I really thought yeah. that, uh, and also I made, a, I made a documentary, 2012, Time for Change, and I, you know, I still feel that for the most part, people didn't really understand the, the message of the work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and now, you know, we're in a kind of, you know, maybe it had to reach a critical point or whatever, but, um, you know, as I wrote in that book and then elaborated in How Soon Is Now, like our, our only hope, you know, individual change is nice, but if we're going to save ourselves from extinction, you know, we need a global shift to a new system um, that focuses on, you know, kind of, you know, replenishing soil, removing CO2, shifting to renewable energy. You know, it probably can't happen under capitalism. So, you know, we need, we need a, a massive global awakening, then a collective movement to bring about a systemic transformation of human society, you know, really fast, like within the next couple of years. I mean, scientists are saying that, you know, if we don't start making the changes in the next six months, you know, we're, we're, it's already kind of too late. So, you know, we waited, we waited too long. I mean, even back in 2010, we were waiting too long. It's like, you know, and, and it's understandable because everybody's, you know, like, you know, you've had your career. Everybody has their own individual lives and goals and children and student debt and, you know, everything they have to deal with. And, and so we don't, you know, mostly we don't have the wherewithal to recognize, you know, that these types of systemic issues are threatening us, you know, in, in this slow motion way, you know, in, in the same way that there were problems with American democracy, you know, and, and American political culture that led, that led to this ridiculous situation where somebody like Trump could arise and, and you know, kind of overthrow, you know, all of the expectations that people had about a con- continuity of the same system of, you know, neoliberalism, of, you know, you know, scientific rational intelligent thought being kind of a val- value or, or to most people, you know, so, so yeah, we, we've missed a lot of the warning signs. And, and actually, I'm happy to have this conversation with you because I do feel, I have felt for a long time that, that public artists 
you know, actors, singers, comedians are, are actually some of the only, you know, people who have the potential to, um, you know, bring, bring an alternative method, a message at, at, at scale to the people. Because now through social media, they can speak in an unmediated way to hundreds of thousands of millions of people. And for the most part, they haven't really, you know, used their platforms for much. But, you know, there is that opportunity that, that maybe they could be supportive of, of, of this kind of global movement that would have to happen. And I found on, on the show, like just from people, my friends, my, my actor friends, my artist friends who, who I have interviewed, they all, you know, are very connected spiritually and they all have some kind of, you know, story from, you know, some kind of tale from beyond the veil. Um, so I, these are absolutely the people to uh, connect with, um, you know, to, to try to create an empathic society. I want to, I have a couple things that I, some bullet points that I need to talk to you about. One of them is my Kundalini experience. My, my first Kundalini experience is connected to you. Um, now, I've talked about this on the show before. My, my, when I had my Kundalini experience, I was, um, I talked, well, I, I had this, uh, I met this psychic named Anya Briggs. She basically opened up all my chakras with this, like, crystal chakra cleansing exercise, which was nuts. That basically opened up my third eye really wide. Soon after that, I had a Kundalini experience where I couldn't sleep, and it was, like, 3 a.m., and I went on the Internet and I found this, um, I just was looking up like, a, you know, third eye opening meditation, you know, something like that. I, I typed that in and this uh, video comes up with this guy named, his name was either the Tripnotist or the Hypnotrist, something like that. And he was this guy that was... Um, he was like this real like funky uh, emo kind of dude, and he had these um, like bomber sunglasses. You know the the sunglasses that like you know um, they're like pilot sunglasses, and they were red, and they kind of like stuck out, you know, jutted out from the from his face, and you couldn't see his eyes. But he talked me th through this kundalini exercise, this meditation. And it worked. I mean, within 10, 15 minutes, I was, bam, I was having a kundalini experience where my whole body was filled with blissful energy and I felt like I was connected to, you know, eternity and beyond. And it was, it was wild. And then I had this experience and I basically said, holy shit, I have to fucking... And the guy, and, and the tripnotist, he says, okay, so you've, you've probably had a kundalini response. And now you'll be, you know, chasing this for the rest of your life, uh, trying to, because it usually happens for beginners, you know, but if, you, if you're aware of it, it's much harder for, the, for it to just happen naturally, the, the, the kundalini rising. So I made a, I, I tagged this guy, the tripnotist. I was like, I'm going to come back to this guy. I couldn't find him the next day. I couldn't find it all through the internet. I'm trying to find this fucking guy. I was like, holy shit. 
I can't find the guy who gave me this fucking Kundalini response. So months pass, and then you, Daniel, you had a, a party at your house, at your apartment in Manhattan. I don't know if you remember. This is a long time ago. It was like fucking 10 years ago already. Less, you know, a little less than 10 years ago. It was a party at your house, and this guy was there. He was on your roof, the trypnotist. I don't know. Do you, I don't know. <laughs> you let me know if any of this rings a bell. I'm trying to hunt. I, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember the trip. I don't remember. I remember having parties on my roof, but I do not remember the trypnotist. Fuck! You don't remember this guy? Like this? I can't. It was crazy because I'm sitting there. What's, what's his real name? Do you remember? That's all I know. That's all I know is that he was the trypnotist. There's the hypnotist, and he, his thing was that he was this tall guy with black hair, short black hair. I don't know what he, that's what he looked like back then, and he had these. You know, what was very distinguishable was, were these red, circular, uh, pilot sunglasses that kind of wrap around the ear. You know, I used to have a pair of them. It's kind of like Mad Max style, you know, steampunk style. That's what I remember about the guy. And I was hoping that you would remember this guy and say, oh, yeah, I got his number. But fuck, I, I've been trying to find this guy forever. Sorry, man. Sorry. Isn't he on, I mean, just in Google searches and he doesn't pop up? I, I have looked everywhere, trip because maybe, I don't know if I'm spelling it right or I think that what happened was this guy was giving people real Kundalini awakenings and you know he was shut down. That's what I'm thinking. Like, you know he was censored. Hmm. I, I, he's just been. But I mean, but I mean, but I mean people have um, people have Kundalini experiences all the time now. I mean it's you know there's so many people. I mean. There's like a whole kind of neo-spiritual culture now. Where everybody is always, you know, doing, you know, shamanic psychedelics. And, um, have you had, have you had, well, listen, I had a, that, my experience, I wasn't, I wasn't on anything. I, I was just yeah. totally you don't, so you don't need to be on anything. in the middle I mean, of it. You can just do, yeah. it can happen just through kind of a meditation or some type of hypnotism. So have you, have, have, you had, seen anything. have you, have you had Kundalini uh, awakening? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely have. Um, um, yeah, I, mean, I definitely feel that like, I activated, you know, my esoteric, you know, body or whatever it's called, you know, through all the work I did with shamanism. And I, I mean, I, you know, before the 2012 book, I wrote a book called Breaking Open the Head. That was all about psychedelic shamanism. And I went to um, different, um, you know, kind of um, tribal indigenous communities. I was in... Um, um, you know, Gabon in Africa. I went through an initiation taking Boga, and I was down in the Amazon in Ecuador working with the Sequoia indigenous community there taking ayahuasca and worked with the Mazatec Indians in, in Oaxaca with mushrooms and so on. So, yeah, but, but and all those experiences, you know, after I had a whole bunch of them, I, I felt permanently that I was, you know, cl- closer to a visionary state and, and more able to go into a visionary state or, or to feel those type of you know, subtle energies and stuff. So, so yeah, definitely. You did, uh, you said you did toad medicine recently, or frog medicine? What, what was it? So, yeah, I mean, there's two types of, I mean, sometimes it gets confusing for people, but there's a, a psychedelic uh, that comes from a, the bufo toad, uh, which, is similar, which is a form of DMT that I've done a number of times. That's, like, probably the most, you know, uh, powerful 
psychedelic experience. It's not even, I mean, it, it almost is just like, it's like a direct experience of like what Buddhists talk about as the void or nirvana or non-duality. It's quite overwhelming. It's like a total ego dissolution. That's not what I've done here. Here I did a, um, like a medicine from the Amazon that comes from a frog. It's called Kambo. And uh, the frog is like super venomous. So they just scrape the poison from the frog off and they burn uh, little holes on you, on your, like, just like over the epidur- top of the skin on your, uh, some part of your body, and they, they, they put the venom on top of the holes so it sinks into your bloodstream. And it's supposed to be very, very healthy for you and that it's, uh, your, your body thinks that it's under attack, your body thinks that it's maybe dying, so it flushes out, like your whole immune system, uh, you know, flushes out all, all the, the toxins and stuff. And, um, yeah, I've been hearing about it for a long time. Honestly, I've, I've been a little bit chicken about the toad. Um, I hadn't quite wanted to do it, but my partner really was, was up for it. So I, I did the first one. She's doing a number of sessions. I, I just did the first one with her. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's become quite popular, uh, this medicine. Yeah, I've been hearing about it a lot. A lot of people, like, when they want to go, like you're saying, like when they want to go clean slate and just, um, you know, cleanse, they do this. Um, I don't know about... Uh, hallucinations like do you hallucinate on it Uh, you you definitely do not hallucinate i mean you definitely feel some type of change of consciousness mainly you feel very i I felt very very meditative very calm afterwards but it's not it's not in any way psychedelic it's um just a physical experience really um yeah i uh what did i do recently i did um i think i did uh roomy or something or or I did a combination of San Pedro and Rumi or something over uh, New Year's and uh, with the wife, you know, so we can have a, you know, an event together and some other folks. And that was trippy, man. I, I felt like I was um, floating through the fucking star field on the astral plane. I was just like, I was just fucking flying. I, I was not in my body. Um, Sounds great. I think Rumi is acacia. Is that what it is? Yeah, I don't know. I just trusted my pal. He's like, yeah, try some of this and a little bit of this. And yeah, I'm not sure what it was, uh, but it was, I guess Rumi is the uh, high it's good, it's, good, it's, good, it's good to have friends like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like, uh, he's a bit of an alchemist. Um, okay, so you remember when we went to Cleopatra's Needle, man? Yes, that I remember very well. That was a great, that was a great yeah. day. Yeah. I remember, um, that will always stay with me. That was the best acid trip I ever had. Um, I had other acid trips in college and stuff, but they were they were not as clean as, you know, whatever stuff you had. And I remember everything so vividly and specifically like the chapters of it. Like the first chapter was, <clears throat> for me, was the giggles, you know, watching the slow motion um, uh, bubbles, the giant bubbles at the park. And then everyone kind of devolving into children. And I just remember laughing so hard everyone were just laughing so hard they 
we were so weak that and people were like looking at us, you know, and, and we and we we were just like children, and we had to get back into the apartment, you know, and then compose ourselves. Yeah, that was the first thing. Part. Was it like Christmas? Was it was it Christmas or New Year's or something like that? It was it was um, Christmas Eve, man, and we were like, yeah, let's do this. Like, we wanted to do like a a sojourn on the ley lines, you know. So I I, I, I don't know, whatever. Um, so I think your girlfriend at the time was like, let's go to Cleopatra's Needle. And, and, we, and it just seemed like the perfect thing to do on Christmas Eve. It was insane. Like, we were definitely, was, I, I, I call it, we, we were threading the eye of the needle. I felt like we were walking on a path um, in between all of the bureaucracy and the capitalism and all of the, like, Insanity. We walked through, straight through Times Square, and it looked to me like we were was like a, a vortex. It was like everything was. We we had to like get through Times Square, and then it was like a uh, like a portal to Central Park. I don't remember anything in between Times Square and Central Park, but I remember we had to get through. Um, Times Square, and in that state, and all those people, and, and everyone seemed like we were going upstream. You know, everyone was coming toward us, and we were going uptown, and it was like, it was wild, man. It was it was such a, <clears throat> um, we were we were outside of the grid. You know, we were looking. I definitely was seeing the city in a much. I was in a very happy state, but I was seeing the city in a much darker, darker way. And I remember when we got to Central Park, it just seemed so daunting because it was really dark and we were, fuck, we're never going to make it to the needle, uh, you know, and we had walked all the way from downtown to uptown. And I remember looking around and I saw there was an ice skating rink and it wasn't happy. It, it was like people on loudspeakers, and it looked like Auschwitz to me. They were like, you know, get in line, you know. It was like, fuck, that does not look fun. I was looking at our society from this askew point of view, and I was like, wow, that, why, why are they always making us get in line? And you said, um, it, was like, it was like Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future. We were like, you were like, roads? We don't need roads. You were just like, we're going to walk diagonally now. Everyone follow me. And we were like, what? Diagonally? And you just walked over the chains that said, don't, you know, keep off the grass. And you just w- walked, you know, the, the, the quickest point to, uh, from point A to point B is a straight line. And you were like, fuck it. I am not going to pay attention to all of these winding, you know, roads that are, they're forcing us to stay on. I am going to cut through the grass. And it's, it was like we were the invisibles. As soon as we crossed over onto the, the grass and started walking, you know, ha- uh, you know, through the park as opposed to on the, str- on the, you know, appointed streets that they lay out for you, we were. It was like the, it was like the cops couldn't see us. I, I, you remember? You remember this? It was like we were suddenly like ninjas. You know, they, they, we were off. We were like off the grid. And then, we, and then when we got to the Cleopatra's Needle. 
I don't know. For me, it was like this very, I felt like we were exactly where we needed to be in that moment and that we did a good thing there. Like I felt like we, we added a few more years to our, to the, to the timeline, you know, <laughs> like I, I felt like we, we, we went to the, to that spot and we put out some really yeah, good vibes. I, 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 I guess there's some theory that those obelisks, those Egyptian obelisks were kind of like placed by Freemasons or like, Illuminati, uh, you know, at different points in the U.S. Like there's one in Washington D.C. and there's one right there in New York. Um, yeah, I remember Stuart, uh, a friend, was uh, feeling all the sort of occult patterning, you know, of the, um, you know, all, all the all the sort of symbolism on the buildings and the skyscrapers and the shapes and so on, and felt that he had like a deep revelation of like the. Um, kind of, you know, occult uh, conspiratorial order that was, like, underlying everything. Absolutely. He and I went through a very similar thing there, and obviously Stuart was on the show a couple uh, episodes back, and and he's become Don Peyote. Like, he he is, like, a full shaman now, you know. Um, I had, when, when Anya Briggs opened up my eye, my third eye, um, I was walking around for, you know, a week afterward looking and seeing just, yeah, all the symbolism, all of the the pyramids and everything in the architecture and seeing, yeah, the, 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 the geomancy and the ley lines and the, the, the obelisks and the ancient Egyptian architecture embedded in our, in our skyline. And I felt like, yeah, we can... Those are antennas, you know, an obelisk is an antenna, and we can commandeer it. It's like we hacked it. It's like we hacked the system, you know. We put our good vibes in there, you know, we, and, we, uh, and we amplified them using, using I see Stuart. I see Stuart is one of my uh, – Stuart's transformation is one of my great accomplishments because I, when I met him, yeah. he was in the debt of iniquity of collective hard run. I introduced him to ayahuasca and, you know, took him to – I actually took him down to Mexico and Guatemala with me on a long trip. We um, rented a car, drove to Tikal, and, you know, did uh, DMT and mushrooms and palenque. And he kind of woke up his spiritual side. He'd been more into, like, you know, the, the drugs, the, the, the gnarly drugs, like Coke and even, like, heroin or whatever, Percocet, I don't know. So then suddenly he um, realized that he was on the wrong path. And over time, he made such an incredible transformation, you know. And, yeah, definitely, he's like, um, you know, really, uh, I, just, I just love where he's come to, like, philosophically and as a person. And um, it's really been amazing to see his growth, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there at the beginning, too, and I <laughs> feel dirty. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um, I, so he, so he, there you are. You're in, you're in Mexico, and the whole thing with the, um, you know, the Mayan calendar, do you, do you know that uh, recently they, they adjusted it? Um, or I don't know how recent, but they started, I heard recently that um, they, they adjusted for the uh, Gregorian calendar. So no, they'd already done that. I mean, that's, 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 that's bullshit. I'm sorry. Oh, it's bullshit? So... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They'd, they'd already adjusted for the Gregorian calendar. Yeah. I see. Well, there's, there's. I read somewhere that like there's like Ethiopian tribes that are just about to hit on their calendar. They're just about to hit 2012. 
I don't know about Ethiopian tribes. I, I mean, um, the one thing that I have been zooming into through different um, kind of tradition keepers and you know, lineage holders that I met is this idea that 2012 to 2021 is like this transition stage uh, between um, what the Aztecs talk about as the um, kind of the, uh, the age of the fifth son and the age of the sixth son. Uh, there's, there's Sergio Magana is a Nahuatl lineage holder who teaches kind of um, the, the dreaming techniques of the ancient Aztecs. And he has a book called um, The Dawn of the Sixth Sun. And they talk about it as a transition from, you know, there's like these 5,200-year cycles, and they sort of, they're like a pulsation or alternation, alternation between uh, suns of light and suns of darkness. So we're actually... A, a, leaving a sun of light and we're entering a sun of darkness. Um, and uh, what that means from their perspective is during the time of the sun of light, it's more of a time of like rationality, materialism, you know, logic, science, the, the kind of masculine qualities. Uh, the suns of darkness are more kind of like um, psychic, uh, more like a dream, a dream world um, where yeah, reality becomes more psychically malleable um, and um, I think that that is actually what we're seeing. I mean, in, in a way, like we look at COVID-19, and, you know, everything we try to get, you know, certain knowledge about, it's almost impossible. It, it feels like it's almost like a black magic spell that, you know, maybe came from, you know, Chinese laboratories. You know, Trump uh, seems to be some type of chaos magician. You know, there seems to be a chaos magic spell that was cast by all his, um, his kind of fanatics on 4chan and, and so on who were got interested in uh, Kek, this uh, Egyptian frog god. The of frog, frog, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it just feels like actually in a weird way we're, we're sort of back backassing our way back into a time where, you know, you know dreamlike, where reality is more dreamlike, uh, in a sense more magic and more psychic. But the problem is that since we don't really know much about that and a lot of what we think we know is not even fully realized yet, you know, we're, we're, you know, sort of um, causing a lot of shadow projections. Um, and, yeah, it could, it could lead to a very uh, catastrophic period. You know, it could even be that we end up driving ourselves to extinction, you know, as a species um, in, in a relatively short period of time, unless we handle both the material realities of what the, this change requires, you know, which is, you know, getting off fossil fuels, you know, going back to regenerative farming practices globally. Then we also have to deal with the consciousness, the, the psychic, you know, these, these other aspects of reality that the materialist scientific worldview has cut people off from, so that a lot of people only believe in, in rationalism and, you know, uh, you know kind of this, this idea of an objective scientific reality. You know, which actually even science now undermines. Like if you look at quantum physics, they say that you know they're you know the observed and the observer are totally linked, and actually you know for for any anything to happen requires consciousness. The consciousness causes the wave to collapse into a particle. So these ideas are actually all real, um, um, and um, you know need to be um, need need to be kind of um, fully, you know, kind of integrated by people. Uh, and, and at the moment, you know, like, I, know and I, hear, I hear it, in, you know, in kind of our dialogue, like, yeah, you've had these different experiences, 
you know, and you understand that there's a legitimacy to them, you know, but then what's the next step for somebody like you? How do you, you know, how do, how do you, you know, really, you know, kind of think about, you know, are you willing to think about the future in a different way or, or live differently or, you know, I mean, um, the problem is that we've also had a, you know, a system that's given us a lot of comfort and a lot of privilege, and we can see that that's beginning to, you know, become unstable and, and shake down around us. But, yeah, we don't really know what to do or how to work together or how to build communities or, you know, change, change the system, you know, before it's too late, you know. I, um, yeah, I'm doing my little part. I feel like, like I can, uh, like I'm, I'm making a platform for, for my, for my podcast. I definitely am talking about things and trying to educate people, put it into my comic books. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Like, but there's also, yeah, totally. I get that. There's only so much any of us can do really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's massive. What we, we, we need, we need leaders. We need people who are going to, to inspire us. I mean, I, you know, if I could, I would try to, you know, dedicate myself to, to saving the world, you know, and, and putting us on the right track. And my, okay. So I, I am just in an endless, I'm sure you are too. Just an endless spiral spiral of of research, and um, so you're talking about the the light sun and the dark sun, and we're moving into the dark. I mean, that that sounds like the yin yang. But that sounds like the turning of the the wheel of um, that we're we're heading into the yin. And this is all stuff that I learned, you know, back in Don Peyote days. And so let's get into the real side. So we're going to wrap up here uh, in a minute here, but I want to talk about the real sci-fi aspect of this, which is uh, the, the, the other aspect of the return of Quetzalcoatl or the return of the comet, the return of Planet X, Nibiru. Um, and there are, you know, whatever you feel about that, the Anunnaki connection, the ancient Sumerian connection. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally can talk about yeah. that. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I've never really uh, been that convinced by uh, Nibiru and Planet X. Uh, however, I do think there's a lot of uh, evidence for uh, non-human uh, influence, or let's say, you know, extra-dimensional, interdimensional, extraterrestrial influences on humanity. Um, and then we're seeing a lot more kind of, you know, the Pentagon and the New York Times and everybody reporting on all these crazy UFO sightings, you know, it's on the front page of the Times and so on. You know, there does feel to be some type of disclosure underway that there are very, very anomalous, very, very inexplicable um, you know, kind of craft and, and, and uh, phenomena and so on. In fact, I, I recently wrote a short book uh, called The Occult Control System, uh, which is available uh, on Amazon. I just self-published it. It's like a 60-page book, which was focused on um, looking at all this evidence around extraterrestrials and aliens and trying to, you know, look at, look at it through different um, kind of lenses or ideas, you know, theories. And, and for me, like some of the best ideas are more kind of like from the occult tradition, like uh, people like Rudolf Steiner and so on. That's like a lot to get into in, in, in this interview. But yeah, I mean, I think, um, um, you know, there, there are 
other influences um, that are, you know, kind of affecting the, our human reality and our destiny. And um, it's, you know, at least a small group of, of uh, people, you know, need to sort of understand how, how these influences operate. And it actually requires a lot of kind of intellectual work. Like, like it's not that easy to get a, to, to, to get a framing of it. And also um, to understand kind of like the trickster kind of sub, subversive and tri- Hello? 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 Oh, shit. Shit. You got knocked off just when it was getting good. Oh, you said it. That's what it was. The black helicopters triangulated. They triangulated. I'm going to text them the call back so we can wrap up. Call back so we can wrap up. Daniel, Daniel Pinchbeck. Always incredibly informative. I hope he wasn't eaten by a, a shark. Daniel, I didn't get it to talk to him about clockwork gnomes, grays, or anything. <laughs> Call back, Daniel. Daniel. I need to get to... Oh, hey! Hey! He's back! Hey there. I'm back. Oh, God. Yeah, I, was on, like, my God. Big, I was on my big riff about aliens and extraterrestrials. I was, I was getting all excited, and suddenly I realized I was gone. <laughs> God damn it. Continue. Continue where you, you were right in the middle of it. <laughs> Fuck! Fuck. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm okay, here, okay. saying that I do, be- I, I do believe that there are other influences that are interdimensional. I mean, you definitely experience them on ayahuasca or sometimes even in dreams and, and you know, they, can, they really are uh, a legitimate part of our, you know, expanded reality. But it's also very hard to put them into our, you know, ordinary language. And um, you, you actually need to do some really sort of hard philosophical work uh, because, you know, these types of phenomena are sort of very trickster, very subversive. They tend to fall outside of our dualistic categories, you know, you, even categories like true and false or, or real or fake or whatever. And, um, you know, but there is a sense that these types of phenomena are, are becoming more um, available and are becoming more acceptable, you know, in, even in mainstream discourse. So now we're seeing, like, the New York Times and CNN reporting on these crazy craft and, and all the stuff that's happening. So, yeah, it feels like we're, we're, we're in a trajectory where, you know, there, there might be some deeper revealing around it. And that's also what I explored in the occult control system. But then the other thing is that, you know, you have to be very, you know, suspicious of the uh, agendas of... Um, if there were to be extraterrestrials or you know, beings that announce themselves as superior extraterrestrials, you know, how would we understand the agenda of those beings? So this is all stuff that I've explored both in the 2012 book and in this new short book, The Occult Control System. Um, okay, so you've, had, you've done DMT, ayahuasca, you just alluded to their possible, you know, having possible encounters. Uh, so did you ever have any 
you know, what they call clockwork elves or clockwork gnome interactions or alien interactions or um, anything like that? Well, I, I mean, you know, there's, through, you know, definitely in various psychedelic states, I've had, you know, many, many interactions. Oh, I mean, I wrote about it a lot in Breaking Up in the Head in 2012. Um, you know, DMT for me was, I didn't see like, um, you know, the machine elves, the Jessica Kenner writes about, but I felt like there was a, um, uh, like a, 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 a sort of hyper-dimensional reality where there were forms of consciousness uh, that were way, way beyond uh, what, we, what we know and understand from our limited perspective. Um, so, yeah, I mean, another, you know, I, I, sometimes I think it's easy to, you know, I mean, I know it's very fun to say elves and so on, but, yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, and, and then also, you know, outside of that, I mean, I've had experiences that, you know, definitely seem to support, you know, the existence of, you know, other levels of intelligence, other levels of consciousness, and other types of being that, um, you know, interact with us, even though they may, you know, primarily exist at, at other dimensions of reality. What was the most intense one that you had? Uh, I mean, um, after an ayahuasca, um, I, I went, one, one time I drank ayahuasca in my apartment with two friends, and um, the whole night I was thinking about the book I was writing, which was about uh, Quetzalcoatl, The Feathered Serpent. But at that point, I'd, I'd handed in one version of the book and had been rejected by the publisher, so I had to rewrite the whole book. I was thinking about The Cosmic Serpents, uh, which was a book by Jeremy Nerby about ayahuasca. And then after the um, session ended, we sort of came down, and then we went out. Um, you know, we were just doing it on our own, not with a shaman or whatever, but we, we went out to a local uh, on my block. There was like a sake bar. And they went in to have a drink, and I was staying outside. I rolled a cigarette, and I was smoking. And I saw this little thing sticking out of a tree, and I pulled it out. And it was a really, really beautiful pen, maybe from like the turn of the century. Not like any pen I've ever seen before. That was actually a metal pen, like made of copper or pewter or something, in the shape of a uh, serpent, Um, which seemed like a um, signal from the, you know, kind of higher worlds to continue with my work and write my book and so on. And, you know, do, you know so yeah, that, that, that was one. I, I've also been in situations where we've had, you know, ceremonies where kind of, um, you know, these very, very strong, you know, balls of light were like hanging in the sky for many hours. Um, and there's been so many. I mean, you know, they're very, I think when you talk about them, they, they tend to seem kind of trivial. You know, it's difficult to, to talk about them, but uh, I've never I've never been taken on board a spaceship or anything like that. Um, um, but yeah. Yeah, me neither. I've never I've never like I feel like I've had brushes with entities, ghosts. I've definitely seen UFOs. Um, like this this girl, uh, this woman, uh, Anya Briggs who was a psychic who opened up my third eye, she had a telepathic relationship with uh, what they called the Galactic, uh, the Galactic uh, uh, Federation, I guess, which she said was, you know, a bunch of benevolent, benevolent aliens that she, she talks to and helps her uh, navigate life and navigate their message. Um, yeah, so I've never really seen any aliens. I've had um, some people on the show that have seen aliens. 
Um, oh, shit, are you gone? He, he left. Well, I guess uh, that's a, a good place to, to end this. Wow. Daniel, thank you for coming on the show. Um, it was, hey, he's back. I'm back. Man. Sorry about this. This hasn't happened here before. I don't know. Maybe the aliens don't want us to finish this. Um, no, you know, that's, ex- um, that's what it is. I think the, the black helicopters are triangulating. They don't want us talking about this shit. Um, yeah. Thanks, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Anytime. Check out, check out the uh, webinar we're doing. Uh, we're, we're, you know, not quite halfway in. Uh, it's it's uh, building our regenerative future, and we're doing uh, sessions on um, kind of uh, food, health, uh, culture, community, economy, and consciousness. Uh, with a lot of different guest speakers and so on. And it's actually been very, very hopeful so far. It's uh, regenerativefuture.net is the, uh, the URL. But, for instance, we had this guy, Tom Newmark, who's from the Carbon Underground, a regenerative farmer. And he was basically uh, letting us, you know, showing us that, um, you know, from his perspective, we could actually reverse CO2 um, and climate change if, if there was really a, a global movement towards uh, regenerative farming practices, which would restore CO2 to topsoil. Uh, and then we also had a um, guy who does ocean farming, ocean permaculture, uh, who talked about how you could restore and replenish the oceans. If you did a lot of ocean permaculture, uh, Brent Smith. Uh, we've had um, this amazing guy, um, James Ehrlich, who uh, does this thing called Regen Villages. They're creating these like, totally self-sufficient housing complexes, that have like composting and, and food growing and renewable energy built right in. And they can even be used for refugee populations and so on. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where my, you know, my focus is you know, right now is uh, really, you know, the fact is that we know, you know, all the solutions that we'd have to implement to bring about this change. We just need people, first of all, to understand, you know, how it could be done and then to build sort of a, you know, a, a quickly growing global movement around it. Um, so that remains my, my, my hope and my prayer that we find a way to do that. I'd love your help uh, in, that, in that initiative. You know, happy to give you a, a free pass if you want to check out the course. But also, um, yeah, I'd love to talk to more of your community of actors and, and so on and see if, like, maybe we can get more than on board, um, you know, for this type of project. You know. Absolutely, man. And, um, and... I'd like to get involved for sure, and and I and I think it's important. I mean, it's our job to spread the word. I, I feel like uh, and to educate people, and we should make this a thing. You know, every every few years we should have a a conversation where you talk me down and you tell me that everything's going to be okay, that the world isn't ending, it's that it's close to ending, but we can <laughs> we can we can change it, we can turn it around. With our collective uh, consciousness. Well, I don't. I don't think we're going to be having this talk in a few years if we don't work on it now. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm worried. Dude, about that. I'm, I'm trying to end on a happy note here. I'm trying to be <laughs> trying to end on that. <laughs> well, I mean, there's joy in you know, there's the joy in chaos and the joy in in, in destruction. You know, I mean, and, you know, it's all it all seems to be you know part of the um, plan. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes life fun, right? If, uh, I mean, really, it does feel like we're in like a script, right? It, it's like a kind of script where everything just keeps getting uh, intensified, you know? Um, oh, absolutely. You know, it, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish Tim, we had it was great to talk and, uh, yeah. What, what's that? I, wish they, I just wish they were better actors, like... You know, they got reality stars. They're, no, you know, they're, doing, they're perfect. They're, they're, the actors couldn't be more perfect for this, for this particular segment. <laughs> I guess. Dude, yeah. thank you, and have so great. fun. And, yeah, and, great, great chatting. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's stay in touch. You too. Okay, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Ciao, ciao. All right. Bye. Bye. And now he's gone for real. You know what we'll do? Every time he comes in and out of the conversation, we'll do like a like a Star Trek sound where he's like teleporting in and out. I don't know how I feel after that. I think I feel more stressed. <clears throat> wow, I feel weird. I gotta take deep breaths. Whew, I gotta do some belly breathing. Whew, laughing in the middle there and I think I collapsed one of my lungs. Oh, I hope that's not COVID. Ooh, no, that's not COVID. That's just years and years of pot smoking. Ah, <laughs> I can laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's just stress. That was just stress seeping in. Fuck. Fuck. All right, I got to put my daughter to bed. But I uh, let me think here. Yeah, I'm going to add another guy. We're going to make this a big old... We're going to have a, a couple more interviews here. I'm going to do like a Voltron-style uh, 40X where it's just all tales from beyond the veil. Just a gigantic bunch of it. All right? A gigantic bunch of it. Yeah! Uh, 